Today my guest is John Mulcahy. Um, for those people who've been involved in camp drafting, probably right across this nation, will know this name. John uh, owns a Stratton Stock Horses and uh, is a very formidable camp drafter in his right. Good afternoon, John. How are you? Very well, thanks, Kate. We'll start the story right at the beginning of John Mulcahy. Where did it all start for you? Where, was, where did you grow up and um, how did you end up where you are now? Well, once I left... Um Longreach Pastoral College, I uh, more or less came back to a new property we bought, Yebna, between Injun and Tarum, and I had um, something like 14 years there. Uh, so uh, I was only a, a young fella of 18 when I went there, and uh, yeah, I, back in those days, I was more interested in football and and then rodeo after that. Uh, I thought camp drafting was boring at that stage. <laughs> Action wasn't fast enough, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so where on earth did you play football when you lived at Yebna? Oh, I used to travel into Roma uh, every weekend. I, I never just used to train myself and uh, never had team training unless it was a Friday night or, or something like that. Uh, yeah, so um, we used to play with Waddles in, in Roma and had a Great five years with them. That would have been dedication, John. That that would have been no maiden feat back then. <laughs> yes, it, it was a bit trying. Uh, my father reckoned I was only good for about two days of the week. Cause it <laughs> took a, took me a couple of days to get over the football, and <laughs> and then Friday I was looking to leave. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so then you went rodeoing. Did you just do that on the you know at the local rodeos, or did you chase it a little bit? Oh, uh, not very much. I um, I went. Um, from Augustella to, to Warwick and over to about Theodore. That was um, about the scope of my travelling. But uh, back then it was second division AWRA that I rode in. And then once I got abandoned, uh, it was just the local amateur shows. So you rode horses or bulls or both? Well, I had a go at a bull. <laughs> <laughs> I had a go at a bull. Uh, mixed success, but, um, yeah, uh, Actually, like the saddle bronc, probably the most, and the bareback. But um, yeah, I didn't like the bulls much. I was pretty much thrown before they opened the gate. <laughs> so, at what stage did you start drafting? Did you do that once you left Yebna? Got a bit closer to civilization? No, I, I started when I was at Yebna. I um, got interested, thought I had a, a handy uh, mare, and um, and I didn't have a truck of my own, so I. Uh, I lent it to some friends that had boys that were camp drafting in the juvenile draft, and they they used to cart the horse for me, and uh, the boys would ride her in the uh, juvenile, and then I'd ride her in the in the maiden and novice drafts, and uh, yeah, but never never managed to win a draft uh, with her. Mm. And so she was she a homebred mare? I know your father was into the racehorses a bit. They sort of probably weren't made for camp drafting. So obviously one that you'd bred yourself or you bought it or was it just one you used for mustering? It was just um, one that we bought uh, when we bought the station plant at, at Yebna. We bought it when, uh, off of fellow John Langley. Uh, we bought his horses. She was an unbroken one at that time, but she was a first-class Arab horses, which a lot of the... They were, they were by uh, Australian Cesario uh, that 
Charlie Clark and John Langley were uh, shares in. And, uh, yeah, then actually a lot of our horses go, go back to those uh, original line. Oh, wow. So from Yebna to where? Oh, Yebna, we, we moved down to probably Quebec, 110 kilometres south of Roma. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, it was a, previously a sheep property where we, we converted it to cattle and, and then bought an open property there and um, same deal, it was all sheep and then we, we changed it over to cattle, yeah. And so was it during that stage then that you got sort of right into the camp drafting or you just sort of eased into it or has that happened later in life? No, I um, actually, well, the first mare I had was Devil Woman that um, our friends carted for us. Well, that was in uh, 1976. So, no, I started at Yebna and um, we didn't shift from Yebna till 84. So I'd um, been to, uh, you know, quite a few local drafts prior to moving. And so, you know, over the years you've... uh certainly built yourself a name of being, uh, you know, the, one of the men to beat, um, certainly in the in the drafting of late. You've now got this beautiful string of horses um, and you trade as Stratton stock horses. What was the foundation of the Stratton horses? Well, I sort of just grew into camp drafting. Once I got sick of rodeo, I, um, I had a stallion at, at Yebna called um, Yebna Buster and... Uh, I put him over the station mares, and and then I uh, got the, some good horses out of those, which were um, Yebna Prince and Yebna Billy, that both won um, open horse titles, and another mare, Yebna Surprise, that um, was the first rookie champion of the ACA, and they were the foundation of really of the Stratton uh, stock horses because um, they they went with us when we moved, and uh, Stratton was a property where we ended up and then we gave that the name of the horses. And uh, But it, they all came from uh, in those lines. Mm. Over the years, you've had some pretty special horses and some pretty good horses. Which one of them all so far stands out as the best? Oh, it, it, it's tough uh, to say that, um, which, which one is, because I've had them at different periods of my life and... Um, my riding styles changed a bit over the years, and uh, and the competitions got tougher as the years have gone on. Like one time, you only had um, sort of twenty odd good horses that you would have to beat. Well, now there's everyone that starts in a could could win the draft, um, and the riders have improved out of sight. So, um, especially with schools and getting a lot more advice, and the, the class of riders just increased out of sight. So, um, yeah, then we, um, elsewhere at Quebec, I got a good friend of ours, Ed McCormack, who took me uh, travelling, got me off to the dunghill. So that was another big turning point in in uh, my camp drafting <laughs> career. <laughs> so at the moment, you've got a, a beautiful horse called Justin Acre. He'd have to be up there. Well, yes, he, he is. He's probably the best yard horse that I've ever had, but... Um, I've had a number of uh, horses that were, were a lot better outside the camp than, than him. Uh, there's two things that I really look for in a horse, and, and that's a, a horse that's got a good mind and a lot of try. And uh, and he, he has got both of those, but uh, the likes of Yebna Prince, he, he was an outstanding horse 
in that he um, he could you know get you out a lot of problems outside and and get a, and fix up your, your mistakes that you made. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I make that then. <laughs> Over the years, um, you've done a lot of drafting and you're now an accredited judge. And in my mind, that sort of speaks testimony to the competitors. If you can make it to a judge and, and get the tick off to be a judge, you obviously are reputable as, as a writer and a competitor. So as a judge, when you give your address, and I've seen you judge quite a number of times and, and you are very consistent, what are some of the things that really bug you that you just think, that's just not on. We're going to get you the whip in the yard and you can go away and go back to your truck and think about what you're doing. Uh, yeah, the thing that probably bugs me, Matt, is um, when you're trying to um, get through numbers and the person that you're watching is, is still wanting to get advice from the husband or the, the <laughs> wife or someone over the fence and they sh- should be starting. I, I always like to start myself when the judge acknowledged me, even if I still haven't made up my mind on what beast I'm going to take, I, I'll start moving to um, to try and get one out. And and, uh, and sometimes, more so these days than, you, than one time, I, uh, I, I'm not as sure of myself, uh, of the beast I was going to take as I used to be. And, yeah, and that's sort of uh, – and, and people racing through the cattle is um, – I really uh, don't like. We've um, interviewed a few people and that's the bugbear. And and ironically, a couple of the people that we've spoken to on the judging panel have said the same thing about the slow response once the judge acknowledged their right to go. Maybe that's something we'll need to be looked at in camp drafting over over the time. So from the early 70s to now, what do you think has been the biggest change in camp drafting that you've seen? Yeah, I don't know where to start because it's just about changed everywhere. Especially the, um, the the rigs that people go to a draft in these days it blows my mind because when we started it was more more about having a good horse before you went drafting than than having a good rig. Where now they don't like to go and unless they've got a, a nice rig to go in. <laughs> you must admit it is a little more comfortable in older. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, the young ones are all like that and. Um, but I heard it said once that a truck is only as good as the horses coming out of it, and, and I believe that to be correct. Yeah, yeah. No, there's certainly um, some impressive gear and a lot of money tied up in it now. It's one of the fastest growing sports in Australia at the moment, camp drafting. It's not a cheap sport to participate in. Why, why do you think that it is continues to grow at the pace that it's growing at? Is it the adrenaline rush? Mm. Is it the family atmosphere of it, or is it, you know, it's a good levelling sport, it's something that everyone can do? Yeah, it's a combination of, of all of those, I believe. Um, camp draft is one of the few sports that you can go and, and compete against a, a champion that's, you know, like Pete Comiskey that's been a champion for over 20 years. Uh, you can't do that in any other sport, just go and... Um, and and compete against them and think that you've got a chance of beating them. Camp drafting is a great level, as you said, because you you can win a draft and and get the wheels in the yard the, the next start on that on the same horse. And like um, you're only as good as as you're on on that day. And um, if, if things go in favour of you, you you can beat the the leading riders. 
Yep. And it's a wonderful family sport. I mean, you know, when you were younger and your kids were younger, you could all go off and do it. And there wouldn't be many sports now that you could ride up beside and sit beside your daughter and compete on the same level as as she does. And at the end of the day, all ride away and, and have had a good time. Was the family aspect of the sport something that sort of made you gravitate more towards it once you had family and started, you know, needed to be involved with what they were doing also? I think in the beginning it was the um, the competition of who had the best horse was what drew me towards it. And um, the family got dragged into it um, <laughs> as well. Uh, I feel for Sandy, um, you know, I used to drag her off in the Noel Hino and, and with just a tarp and uh, and you had to roll your swag out and set up meal um, after clean the truck out and then um, and then when when it was all over you uh, you had to pack it all up again and um, and then load, load the horses up and it was very tough I I saw on, on Sandy even though she did compete in the ladies draft and won a, a number of ladies um, but she had a little family and. Uh, and you know it was cold in the winter and and hot in the summer. Sometimes I, she used to get the, the children under the under the truck because that was the coolest place for a midday nap. And uh, yeah, and then when if it rained, well, the, the camp often got half wet. So yeah, it, it wasn't easy on on her. But uh, yeah, I was um, sort of determined uh, that I could get the job done. Yeah. Did the kids compete from when they were little? Yes, they they did on and off for a little bit. Ben had the ability and the talent to uh, to have gone on and been a good camp drafter, but he uh, he preferred a motorbike and machinery. And now he's a successful farmer. Um, whereas Kelly, she um, she loved her horses and competed, you know, a, a lot. And she's a real trier, Kelly. Mm, yes, she certainly is, and, and very successful at it. You must get a great deal of satisfaction. I even had the warm and fuzzies at the last Theodore draft that we had, where you're, you know, sitting beside one another on the horses at the camp. Not many uh, sports you can be involved in, sort of playing the same game together, can you? No, no, that's that's correct. I don't know of any other sports that you can you can do it, and uh, no, it's very satisfying to to see the young ones achieving. Yeah. So coming back now to the Stratton stock horses, you have a fairly formidable business within those stock horses. What does it take to get those horses to that stage where, you know, they are sought after by people? Is it their breeding alone or do you think it's a the whole package of getting them to this point that they're worth the money that they are? I, I think it's the, um, the whole package. Um, but I'd never classed myself as a horse trainer. I've um, been more of a cattleman, and um, and that's where I've sort of been able to understand the cattle and and manage to you know to, to get a, a good no- number around. But but the horses are, are quite horses. They've got good minds, and um, anyone that's got them have um, you know are very ha- happy with them. They uh, actually quite a few of the horses that I've sold have become. Um, the kids' horse because of their nature. Yep. Just on that, you say you don't, um, you know, you're not into, don't regard yourself as a horse trainer. Um, have you always sent your horses out to be broken and, and sort of got to the stage where they're, they're capable or, do, you know, have you campaigned your own horses from from the start? Um, only just of late that I've um, started sending horses out to trainers. 
been quite a number of years that I've got other people to break them in because I felt that um, other people uh, could, could do a better job of breaking in than I I, I was doing. Um, in the early days, I uh, broke all my own horses and trained them and competed them myself, and I actually won the 1990 uh, rider title on all horses that I'd um, I'd bred, broken, and trained myself. But I think it's wise to give your horses to someone else if they can do a better job at um, preparing them than I can. And uh, and now I don't have the, the amount of cattle work that I used to have, and so it's um, I've decided to use trainers more. You know, it certainly does take a lot of effort and energy to keep them to that standard to be able to make them competitive. Where's the best place you've been to draft? Not just because it's the best facilities or it's the closest to home, but where's the the one draft that both you and Sandy go, let's go, we really have a good weekend when we go there? Yeah, probably to Rome. Uh, I think that we probably both enjoy most because it's uh, the surroundings and the um, and the setup. And I like drafting at to Rome. I've had a bit of success there and, and it's a good, fast ground. Today, so many of the grounds are, um, are soft and, and sl- slower and smaller arenas, whereas uh, to room, it's, um, you, you want to be on your game there or otherwise it's, you, you'll be left behind. <laughs> you just go for the fun if you're not on your game. <laughs> <laughs> Who who do you who in, in all of your time and it doesn't just have to be now but who was your biggest competitor do you think when you were in your prime you know you you were pretty formidable yourself you know when you were really doing it week in week out um, and you know were very hard to beat but who was your your number one rival back in those days? Um, yeah, it, it varies, varies from district to district, but Wally Ray was. Uh, King Wally back and um, when I started hitting my pins and uh, he, he was, um, he, he, I don't know, he'd won four or five titles and uh, and I managed to knock him off his perch in 1990. <laughs> but, uh, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, Terry Hall was always around and then later on Ben and Peter Comiskey, Peter came into it in, in the late 80s and, um, yeah, so like they're always tough at any weekend, but you know it's just not them. It's uh, it's so hard to win these days. Um, you, you can't get away with um, missing gates or or making making a mistake and uh, think that you're going to win the draft. So okay, across the board, who do you think is the best draft you've ever seen? Probably uh, when when they're on their on their game. Um, uh, Probably Terry Hall to do one day, but most consistent was Peter Kamiski. He's, he's there every weekend, um, and you might beat him one weekend, but he'll beat you for the next couple. <laughs> do you see yourself continuing in the sport for for years to come, or do you think? Um, do you, are you a proponent of um, you know? And I've I've had it brought up with me a few times that there should be a. Um, well, I don't know whether they want to call it a seniors draft, but a draft for for you know people over over a certain age. No, I, I don't think so. Um, just from my own personal point of view, I, I like to compete against the younger fellas. Uh, it, it keeps my game up, and, and um, yeah, it's a competition of, um, of of being there. I just um, feel feel if uh, if I've got to be relegated to a um, 
to an old buffer's draft. Uh, it was time <laughs> I gave it away. I'm, I'm too competitive to, to want to go. Um, when if I lose lose my nerve to ride hard, yeah, yeah. No, um, that competitive streak seems to be amongst you all at your uh, age and stage of it all if you can't compete. Is that the one thing that you think is the great thing about camp drafting? It's certainly the one thing that I think is the good thing. It's a very levelling sport. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, that's, I think it's a, a big thing. Um, we always think that we, we can win. We often think we've got the best horse, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's not what the results say, but... Uh, you can always beat beat the top rider if things go your way. Yeah, from a spectator point of view, I think that's something that is probably not made a big enough of on the day when it happens. Is that you know, um, it's a very levelling sport. Uh, I remember telling a child once who was cranky with her horse because it didn't do what she thought it should have done, and then Steve Comiskey rode in and got the whip in the yard, and I said, "See, he's probably on the best horse, regarded the best horse in the grounds, and it still happened to him." You probably need to go and tie your horse up at the truck and have a look at yourself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. What sort of horses are in the paddock and available for sale at Stratton at the moment, John? Have you got a, a good lineup of horses, or is, you know, 2019 was a pretty tough year as far as weather was concerned, and things sort of were wound back a bit? Did you have to do that for your horses, or you've still got a good string there ready to go? No, I've got a good good string here. Um, I had um, nine horses broken in uh, l- last December, January, and they were all coming along well. I've got a couple of. Them with a trainer now, and the others I've been, you know, mustering on, and and that was the way I always trained the horses. I was just mustering them, and when I I needed a, another horse, I um I, I get the best one that was out in the mustering team, and uh, and tune it up and uh, take it to a draft. Hmm. So that was basically my training then. Yep. You got anything else you'd like to add, John? Oh yeah, yeah. The the, um, the horses have changed a lot. Um, one time they were nearly all originated from um, thoroughbreds and, and, and stock horses, and the grounds were, were, were big grounds, and the, the service was hard. And the the camps are, they were all different shapes. They still are a bit, but they they're getting them a bit more uniform now, and. Uh, and you needed a different type of horse then to what what you need today. Uh, I, I was a real knocker of the quarter horses in the beginning. I'll admit I've had to swallow my words, but changing the um, the arena surface and what they judge in the cutouts now have made it more suitable to the quarter horses. And most weekends, the um, a big percentage of the horses are. Um, Quarter horse infused. That's why I got myself a quarter horse stallion in just an acre, and I got a uh, acres destiny one because uh, acres was a proven breed of horses, and and he crosses very well with the um, our stock horse mares, and they've all got good natures and good minds, and and like I said in the beginning, that's I feel is the most important part when you're buying a horse is. The best looking horse is it's not worth much till you're tied up to the truck when the final's on. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I, I've I've seen a big change in the uh, in the horses over the years. 
Mm. And, and you know, certainly it has um, improved the sport over the years. Once upon a time, watching camp drafting was like watching paint dry, but now it's quite exciting because of all of those improvements in the horses and, and the competitors and the and the regularity with which people compete now, I think, probably breeds a better line of competitors too. So, John, thank you very much for that. Hopefully after COVID-19, we'll be back into the saddle and uh, we look forward to catching up with you wherever that may be. We look forward to it, Kate. We'll talk soon. Takes care, Molly. Bye-bye. Bye now. From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications. Specialising in rural business and marketing design, find them on Facebook and Instagram.